0: It's like this I, That's just what my mind is My mind is on Taking riches and becoming wealthy And you become wealthy through assets And so I just want as many people sending me checks As I can get I'm looking at, at more streams As many streams as I can get I just That's all I'm focused on I don't care about anything else Except for streams
1: Tweet Talk Episode 64 Live. This podcast is
2: brought to you in part by investatheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can not fire me the boss. Always remember no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates exclusive collection available at investeverteam.com now back to the world's greatest podcast that's good Are we on the edge? Tweet what it sounds dope. like to be the best. This best. is the Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Meganer himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Episode Chris Weber. Right? Uh, he was number
1: four, right? Or was number five? No, he was number four. I think he might have changed it at some point. But, yeah, he was number four. And John Howard was number five. Chris Webber. That's yep. last from the past. Fab five. <laughs> Fab five himself. Chris Webber. That was an interesting guy. Fab I was either thinking that or, or Brett Favre. Brett but nah, that's all I got. I think Webber is a, a more interesting guy. Yeah. Fab five changed, changed the game. The boy heads and the black socks and the baggy shorts. They took everything that Michael Jordan did and just blew it out. The boy head. Yeah. The black sneakers, the baggy shorts. They just blew it up. And they have like black socks too or something. They were known for yeah. their black socks. Yeah, black socks. Yeah, man. Only um what freshman five to, to start and go into the final, something like that. I uh, um, in downtown LA. Since uh, uh, Jalen Rose works for ESPN
0: and ESPN's in downtown LA at Staples, I used to always see him. He used to go into the bank I used to work at, and um, I was talking to him about like his school and everything. And it's kind of like a testament to what I always say: how like we create our own. His his school does crazy numbers; they send a ton of kids to college, great grades, um, and it's just cool because I mean. He isn't the only person with schools. I think Diddy has schools. Um, who else? There's like another athlete with the charter school. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but I think Derrick Rose might have a school too. I'm not sure though. But
1: yeah, LeBron. it,
0: it kind of just speaks to, yeah, LeBron. It's like when, when, when we create a school for our own, we have a vested interest in seeing those kids win. Whereas yeah. when they create a school for us, they want to see us. Not so win, and they also kind of yeah. want to miseducate
1: us as well. I think Jalen Rose has a school, the other five five guy. That's what I said. You said, you oh, think I said. Oh, oh, I thought you said Derek Rose. I thought you said Derek Rose. Okay. I said them both, but I said Jalen Rose first. Oh, okay, okay. okay. My bad, my There's somebody five. else out there too at the school. Let me find out
0: this person right now.
1: <laughs> that was interesting. He was a good Sean, player. Sean Diddy Holmes. What you saying? I was saying uh, Chris Fibber was a good player. His rec- NBA career wasn't that spectacular. There you seen with, Le- with
0: LeBron James, you can be as good as you want to be, but if you don't have the right team, it doesn't even matter, man. Mm-hmm. And no coach. LeBron gets that, super, that superstar treatment. He always has a squad. People will downplay it and say, oh, he just had a bunch of best. No, he had a bunch of stars. Eh.
1: LeBron James – Functions well when he has a bunch of stars. I mean it's like you say, man, business and investing in team sports. LeBron not stupid. Yeah. He not stupid. I still argue, I still argue that whole LeBron needs stars thing. Even though I'm not a LeBron fan. I still don't think he had any more stars than Jordan than I don't know. Jordan had maybe I mean, they Pippen, had... Rodman and Tony Kukoc. Well, oh, you know what's funny is I didn't
0: know Kukoc was that big of a star until I was watching, like, last dance. And they were talking about, like, he was the man. When they went and played some team, I forgot where it was, Italy or something, they, he was, like, their country's Jordan. Yeah, Croatia. they were, like, you got to see Tony Kukoc, yeah. So I'll accept that. I think
1: Rodman was, like, an all-star, too. Well, right? right? Like, he was a big deal. Yeah, he's a Hall of Fame. I don't know if he's actually in the Hall of Fame
0: yet, but he's definitely going to be in there if he's not in there yet. Yeah, but they're showing, like, when Robin was playing for the Spurs, like, he was a big deal. So that was actually a really solid pickup. You're right about that. And this guy. I've always believed that that's how business should run. Mm-hmm. I've always tried to kind of recruit my own, like, superstar team. That was one of my goals. to kind of create the Golden State Warriors, the basketball, of business. Just could never get no brothers that actually wanted to commit. They all out there trying to build their own ship.
1: <laughs> all trying to build their own ship, man. Taking wood off my ship to build their own ship. Now uh, why do you think that is? Um,
0: I think they're miss I think they're misinformed. I think it's a combination of things. Um people think that only one person can get rich in a business. And I tell people all the time that. You go to Google, everybody's eating. Mm -hmm. And if you aren't getting rich, rich like the founders, you still can afford to live in San Francisco. We got a bunch of folks that can't even afford to live in these communities. But we ain't building up one Google, one Apple, one Tesla. Can we just, excuse me, can we just get one? Just one? We can't even get one. But I feel like it's ego. I feel like it's like you have these people who, are taught that they're like nothing and they're kind of demeaned and demoralized. And even at a young age, like men are taught to fend for themselves. They're kind of made to feel like if they don't get it on their own, they're not a man. And they're, they're made to, and I I was thinking about this too. I was like, it's so crazy how like, I've accomplished a lot, but like, there's still people who have accomplished a lot more and like they might've walked into USC. Their parents might've lost them into USC and that's typically what happens. If you go to USC, you go to Stanford, you go to Harvard, you didn't get there on your own merit. And they're still successful. They're still deemed successful. They still went to college, got a degree, got a good job, went to grad school, all this stuff. So I feel like the way that we raise men makes them those people who were who independent, fierce competitors, and they have to one-up their brother, as opposed to if we, were, if we were raised in a way that was more collaborative and less competitive, we would collaborate more. Um, I mean, the predominant culture of African-American men is sports. Sports are competitive. We're made to think there could only be one NBA champion at the end of the year, one NFL champion at the end of the year, one MVP at the end of the year. One. Mm -hmm. We're made to think one, 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 one. When in actuality, in a successful community, everybody's winning the championship. Everybody's winning all these different things. And I feel like that's the approach that we have to take instead of this constant individualism, man. It's so frustrating. but. I don't, I can't change the culture. I just kind of adapt. I've tried to just like bring brothers on and like every single one of them has tried to start their own business that was similar to mine without exception. Um, It's very frustrating. I wish it was not like that. Um, But me being the person that I am, I have to embrace what exists and go get mine. And so that's why I work with a lot of women and even those women do their own thing too. But it's a different kind of own thing. One girl has a lingerie company. One girl has a college recruitment company. Like, they all do businesses that have nothing to do with my business. It's not like they're taking bricks from my business to build their own. And we get people who invest their energy into making this thing great. And guess what happens? We have a great business. So I I I don't say things to bash anybody. I say things to challenge us and to just say, like, hey, guys, like, I know you want to compete and you want to one up your brother, but that ain't, it's obviously not working. If it was working, we'd be eating. But a lot of us are just down here fighting for crumbs and just trying to be the biggest crumb snatcher, not realizing you still just got a bunch of crumbs.
1: We also got the, uh, this American myth of the rugged individual, as they say it. Like everybody did it on their own. We always talk about that one person that built this huge business. On their own, supposedly, whatever. Maybe we we'll get it together. Then you dig in and you realize they got a fat-ass loan from their parents.
0: <laughs> like, I, I, I dig. And I'm like, okay, Bill Gates, his parents are both wealthy. They afforded him the ability to go to these computer labs and just work on computers all day long. Right. Steve Jobs, he went to Berkeley. His parents, I don't think he was wealthy. I'm not sure his situation.
1: Steve so I can't Jobs? speak on
0: Steve Jobs. I think he was yeah, uh, adopted. But I can't, yeah, he had a, a unique situation but I don't know who adopted him. It's usually not broke people adopting kids. That's true. It's expensive to adopt. Um, kids. Right. Right. So, I mean, he got into Berkeley. I don't know if people realize this, but I realized this when I was like looking at colleges. A lot of times where you go to college is based on money, not based on intellect. Right. So you'll see it and you'll they, they call it the University of Spoiled Children for a reason. Or even <laughs> in UCLA. UCLA has a bunch of kids who just had parents who could pay for the right tutoring, pay for the right tests, put them in the right high schools, put them in the right programs, versus you out here at public school having to leap through a tall building and do all this crazy stuff just to get into whatever school you go to. Mm-hmm. It's important because And the only reason I share it is because it normalizes people. You might think, oh, they went to a better school than me, so they're better than me. You might think, oh, they went to Harvard, so they're smarter than me. They went to this law school, they're smarter than me. No, they just had certain advantages. And so at this point in life, the playing field is even. At about 30, the playing field is even. There are no extra advantages that somebody gets just because their parents exist. We're sprinting through all that stuff. Any advantage they had is gone. It is null and void now. We're on an equal playing field.
1: And so go get it. Go grind. Right, right, right. Before we get, uh, as I've been doing lately, just want to remind the listeners or tell the new listeners to the show, the format of the show, I'm Raphael. This is Charles, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, a.k.a. Mr. Featured in Forbes. And what we do here is we break down tweets and we discuss building black wealth. And that's all we care about. Talking about yeah, building black wealth. And, and we're
0: supposed to talk about a few different things. One of those being venture capitalists. Um, it's yeah. interesting. I was doing some research in. I was just about to bring that up. We were talking. I just about to bring that up. We were up. talking about, I, I did a search and I, I found, it's kind of tough to say their names, but one is like, Adimi, Ajao, it was a company named Base 10 and his partner is TJ Nahijan. They have a $250 million fund. Um, And apparently they just like doubled in size. So actually they went from like $150 to to $250. But I didn't even know these guys existed. When I saw it, I thought they were talking about those two uh, African-American men who joined that bank and now they're like a $1 billion bank. So it's interesting because there's so many of us that are out here doing it that aren't rappers and athletes. We just only hear about the rappers and athletes. And so all these things are attainable. um, And it's just amazing to see because when you have a fund, it's not even a fund is kind of like a fund is a fund, right? So you can have a real estate fund. You can have a VC fund. Really what's happening is you're getting investors to back your idea. You're not getting people to, you're not, you're not investing your own money. So you can manage a fund. And all you did was go out and just solicit subscriptions from other people and then say, when we find these deals, we're going to back them. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So it's just interesting because um, it's attainable. I mean, you can, you can VC with your own money or you can VC with like partner money. I mean, you have to be informed and educated to be in that space. You can't just hop out there and not know shit. You got to have probably worked for a tech company, worked for a startup, um, studied startups, really understand the space such that you can position yourself as an expert. So just like they talk about real estate, where you have to have um, either knowledge, money, or hustle. The same thing is true in VC. If you have knowledge and hustle, you can find the money. If you have uh, knowledge and money, you got to find somebody with the hustle who's out there finding deals. Um, you just got to find two out of the three. And I, I
1: think we need to start um – We got to start giving like definitions almost because a lot of the people in our community, I think, don't know what are venture capital funds, what is venture capital, what is an equity uh, crowdfund, what is private capital. I think we don't, a lot of us don't know these things. Even uh, some of the people are getting money, like they might be getting money in real estate or they might be getting money in their little corner and that's what they know but we don't know some of these larger concepts and things. So we got you know, we should start breaking that down. But speaking of... Well, vent- hmm? What are you going to say, Raphael? Speaking of... Speaking of venture capitalists, you sent me a picture yesterday. I did not... I did notice the picture you sent me. And there's one venture capital firm that we have talked about before called Harlem Capital. It was started by four black guys, supposed to be a diversity fund type thing. One of them dropped out and then they picked up John Henry. John Henry joined the group who was a, a young uh, Latino guy or Latinx if you prefer that. And he was very popular. Okay. And Apparently he left the group and now it's three black guys, one... White lady and a black lady. And I think it's very interesting because the whole concept of starting the fund was to, was to raise money and fund minority businesses. And I knew it, first of all, this is the first red flag when you say minority and use it, the word minority, we don't, don't use the word black. It's like you got to watch them. That's the first. Dr. Red Claude flag. Anderson
0: would not, he would be pissed. Like,
1: ain't <laughs> no such thing as a minority. They use
0: that minority to pass on benefits to everybody else but black people they use black people as like the front and then they pass on all the benefits to everybody else kind of like what happened when Barack Obama was president like he had a black president who passed agendas for everybody else he passed agendas for Hispanic immigrants he passed agendas for um, like the gay community and so it's kind of like that's what happened I feel like the reason why they did it is because they wanted to Appeal to the Caucasian market. Um, And so they did that, but also the way they did it was strategic in that they can still claim that like a woman is a minority. Right. She don't look like a minority to me.
1: She looks like she's doing all right in life. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how you call half the population, somebody who's a member of half the population of the world is a minority, but anyway. Women are half um, the world. Yeah, I mean, and th- and then
0: it's like named after Harlem. That's like so crazy to me. So you have got Harlem Capital, and it's like Becky's just sitting up in the front, in the middle, like Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Harlem's gonna look like. Y'all keep playing around, man. That's what Harlem I already. We gotta, we, that's what Harlem we, already looks like. We've gotta be intentional right. about building up our own, man. Maybe it's strategic in that they'll get more funding and they can still kind of funnel it to other people. So let's say, for example, without Becky, they might bring in 20 million. They Uh put Becky up there, they make 100 million. And now they can fund 50 million to uh, African American uh, business people, startup founders. That makes sense. So strategically, it could be that. Um, And in that regard, I kind of like the move because everybody else does it to us. They're going to put Sean Diddy on there holding a bottle of Ciroc or, or all these people up there as the front of their business, but they're not the actual owners of that business. And so in that capacity, I kind of dig it. And in actuality, I mean, I was hyped when I saw what they were doing. It was great. But at this point, I'm just like, We got to kind of back out and let people do what they do because I don't want to be that person that condemns something that's so new because we really don't know what could come. That's true. How how do we know? And we as a culture tend to do that. We step in and we're like, no, you can't do that. What's wrong with you? Racism. We need our own black stuff. Well, like we just said, maybe it is still going to be a big black solution. These are really educated individuals. I want to say, like, two of them went to Harvard and one of them went to Ohio State. Granted, we just had that conversation, but. I would, I believe that they are, I mean, you get that education, you get that network. I think they're pretty, pretty solid brothers. Um, So I'm not worried about that, but I'm also not looking for them to save me. I'm not looking for anybody to save me. I don't care if it's whoever. I still got to save myself. We all owe it to ourselves to be that leader in our community, not to depend on leaders. And that's why when I see people tearing people down, I'm like, well, just start your own, man. People have already seen, it. Jay Morrison didn't raise all the money that could ever be raised. If that was possible, then you wouldn't have seen Julian Gordon raise a million in like less than a month. He, he launched that thing. He raised all that money so fast. I didn't even get a chance to participate or blink. Um, Chris Senegal, he's raised a million dollars. Yep. There's money out there. If you feel like you can do it better than somebody else, just do it. Just do it, but don't sit on the sidelines and just throw spitballs at as somebody else is playing. Cause you really don't know what their plan is. You probably aren't even qualified to critique them in their plan. I was talking about this last night on, on, uh, on, on Twitter. Cause I woke up really early and at like three o'clock and I put on, I saw one of those Tony the closer videos and I listened just to hear what the counter argument is. And mm-hmm. a lot of it is nonsense. And I realized like the reason why they kept people out of these deals is because they're going to act like this if you're going to freak out when you don't get paid in a year, year and a half, it shouldn't have been investing in the first place. because You don't really know how this stuff works. If you are going to be over here surprised that a startup company took a loss, you don't know how this stuff works. Uh-huh. If you're over here and you see that they, they bought a class a building and it, and it's taking some time for them to fill it up with tenants and you're frustrated that it didn't just get occupied automatically. You don't understand how this works because there's what's called an absorption rate. So when you launch a class A commercial space, multifamily type property, they already expect it to take three years to fill up. Three years.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's going to take time for that asset to stabilize. But what happens is when you got people out here investing a little 500 bucks and they still got little struggles in their daily lives that they're like, man, I could use that $500 right now. My car about to get picked up, blah, 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 blah. Like, they kill the deal. Broke people kill deals all the time. And it's not even because they're intentionally trying to kill it. They just don't know any better. And that's why I see people that are like, I'm going to start a group. I was like, I don't know why y'all want to do that. I wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm looking and I'm my own partner now. My partner is Nolan and Nakia Oglesby. That's all my deals. We're buying these St. Louis homes. That's all I got. I got employees. I got my ladies, they do stuff for me, but I, I don't got no more partners anymore because I'm not, I was on a boat. Somebody sent me text messages about getting them financial reports. I'm like, are you serious, bro? Like the, 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 the vending machine route still has to stabilize. We sell seller financed half of it. And then the other half of our route isn't functioning because of COVID. And you're over here like, man, where the financials at? I'm trying to get distribution. I'm like, bro, like I got this. I'm over here paying off the debt, servicing the route buying the snacks, and you just sitting over here sending me texts. Like, get out of
1: here, man. Get out of my face. Woo! On that note, let's get into the tweets. I'm not sure which one to start with now. But you said in the tweet, do bigger deals to work with, bigger, with better people. We are in the process
0: of getting back our truck. Mm. And it turned into a very ghetto situation like, personal threats. Uh-oh. Like, I got people everywhere, man. Yeah, And I was like, bro, like, over a $10,000 asset? We over here, like, Wait. threatening people? Wait, what? It's not and, even in his truck. Right. And he hasn't paid. Everybody who I've told this story to is too, like, the dude has had it for a whole year, hasn't paid you any rent, and he still has the audacity to, like, come at you crazy. And I was like, you guys gotta realize, like, niggas ain't really logical they just be out there just living and complaining and then wonder why they ain't winning. they just be doing whatever they feel they need to do. And they're like, damn, this isn't working out for me. It must be racism. Like, no, you're just a dumb motherfucker. That's what it is. And so that was one thing. And then I'm also thinking about like different tenants that we have. A tenant called me and like none of them have good credit. And she was like, Trying to, they, and what will happen is like terrible tenants will call you, like, I got cash, I'm trying to move in right now because they're renting from an eviction or because they don't want to support their credit. And so I was like, I need to pull your credit, I got to do blah, blah, blah. She's like, Well, I don't like doing applications because I pay my app fees. They always got excuses. They like, just pay the fucking app fee. Don't be over here trying to get around a $75 fee. If you want to live in the place, pay the $75 fee. Uh-huh. Um, and so then I told her, I was like, Send me what you have and I'll run it through my system. I need to see your credit. And she's like, my credit's not that good. I was like, why is your credit not that good? And she told me that it's not good because some nonsense stuff. And then she was like, oh, yeah, foster homes and blah, blah, and T-Mobile bills. And at this point, I don't take tenants with bad credit because people with bad credit tend to be not the best people when it comes to handling their obligations. And rent's going to be an obligation sooner than later. Mm-hmm. Um, People with bad credit get phone calls every day from people who want something from them. They just ignore them. And before before later, sooner than later, I will be one of those people. And then when they leave, they're going to destroy the house. It's just, you have to to deal with so much stuff. And I just don't understand it. And so I was this week having a conversation about buying a 75-unit apartment complex. Somebody sent me two hotel deals. Um, there's a whole, there's a, uh, a building in downtown that I've been looking at for a long time. And I was thinking, I was like, man, I had a conversation with Cody, who's a lender on, on what to call it, but it's just like a pleasant conversation. It's not no ghetto stuff. It's just like, it's the way things should be done. I'm doing a lot of deals now. Like, unfortunately, as my money has gotten up, I do a lot of deals with white people now. And they just do it the way it's supposed to be done. We got contracts in place. We got people making phone calls, people sending emails. It's like, it's just business. It's not people hiding in the shadows, not wanting to give me their their driver's license information or trying to get over on me. And again, it's another one of those situations where like, I don't say it to down talk anything. I'm saying it to challenge us to grow because we don't have to always do shit like that. But I'm realizing like, it's just, it's very frustrating. So now that I'm looking at bigger deals, I get to do deals with better people. Because if I'm doing deals and I'm doing it at market rate, I'm going to deal with market rate people. That could be market rate black people, market rate white people, market rate Hispanic people. It's not a race thing. It is a income thing, and a lot of times income, socioeconomic character, thing. right, are are associated. Sometimes those things are associated, and I just want to get into that space because I want to start doing bigger deals consistently and exclusively. I don't want to be having to chase people down for rent. I don't want to be having to like argue with people and go back. I just don't want to do nigga stuff, man. I didn't get into business to do nigga stuff. And I'm finding that it's it's tough to raise people up. So instead of raising people up, I just gotta do deals at my level or higher and ideally get higher. Work with bigger work with better, more professional people who handle business professionally.
1: Yeah, that's what you're saying. And people with bad credit, like you said, get the phone calls and then it's like I heard the said before, like when he was deep in debt, people call and they start like harassing his wife, like, You married you you really married to that guy? And he would get mad and he would pay them. So then he's like, you got these tenants gonna be paying people when they get mad just to get them off their back and then they use your rent money to do it. Yeah. And with that was the return of the Barbershop Chronicles. There's an update another update on that, right? You going you gonna pick up the truck? What's going
0: on? Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna make my way out to Atlanta because I've kinda of had it and it's just time to get our asset. Like I'm not expecting him to drop it off. I'm not expecting him to do anything except not kill me. That's it. So <laughs> um yeah. Going to get on a flight Friday, which means I'm not working the whole day, if at all, on Friday, because I'm supposed to go talk to the people about this new ring. I kind of don't want to work on Friday. I might be sick with the Rona. Um, (laughs) But that's that's kind of where we are. I'm staying in downtown, pick it up, take it to our storage facility, lock it up, and then figure out what we're going to do from there. It's really frustrating. It's really stressful. It's not very fun. But... Hopefully we can find a good person, but we got to really be more strict on the beginning. So we had a contract. We were supposed to have him sign the contract. He didn't sign the contract. I'm not, I can't, I can't, I can't be people's homie anymore. When you are somebody's homie, you will get taken advantage of. So if they don't pay, if they don't sign, if they don't give me all the documentation that I need, they don't take the asset. It's not going to turn into a fight later. So a part of it is like my mistake. I'm not even going to lie. But um, another part of it is just people need to, to do better. I don't know why they don't want to
1: do better. Maybe they don't have the means to do better, but it'd be great if they did. Do better, people. Do better. And you were saying, this, this, this connected to what you already talking about, you said, I don't want to buy anything anymore. I'm just looking for better assets. Visit GetLacedLaces.com
2: Do your sneakers look just like everyone else's? Could your sneakers use an upgrade? Be sure to slide on down to GetLacedLaces.com and grab some premium laces. These laces will make your sneakers stand out, guaranteed. That's www.GetLacedLaces.com Premium shoes need premium laces. Go get yours now. You can also connect on social media at Principal P D.
0: So I did buy a little bit of something. I got peer pressure by Rashana um, into buying some new headphones because these headphones are kind of good, but the ear pad is starting to kind of like like peel away. Mm-hmm. I don't like that, so I have some more of these coming and I bought her some because I'm tired of her coming on the podcast with no headphones ruining my audio. <laughs> Get it together, Rashana. So, Do better aside from that. I'm just, I'm not in the mood to buy a watch. I'm not in the mood to like buy any clothes or suits or shoes or anything like that. All my money is going into assets. And so we just put a roof on the Griggs house. That that Griggs house should be solid now. going to throw a tenant in there. Get this thing rented for another five years, maybe 10 years, and live our best lives. And then I'm buying those homes in St. Louis. That's going to cost a lot of money. And then we're beginning the rehab on our steel house, which is a three-family house, and it's going to be in great shape very soon. We're gutting it right now. It's going to be demoed. Um, I do all this long distance, by the way. I just make sure that I communicate with my people over and over and over again. So I talk to them like every day in the morning. And that that place will be. It's going to take about fifty grand to rehab. And then when it's done, it should be kicking out about three thousand a month on income. So that's thirty thousand in a year gross. You get your money back in a year and a half. Can't really complain about that. And so um, I, that's just what my mind is. My mind is on taking riches and becoming wealthy. And you become wealthy through assets. And so I just want as many people sending me checks as I can get. I'm looking at, at more streams, as many streams as I can get. I just That's all I'm focused on. I don't care about anything else except for streams. And so it's just, it's a, you wouldn't expect that to happen. You really would think that like you have money. And you're like, damn, I could get a Rolls Royce now. I could get a Bentley now. And like, no, I just want to be more secure. I want to be more financially free. I want to have more passive income. I want to have the ability to do bigger deals. Like freedom is priceless. I was talking about this and I'm not sure if you're going to bring it up, but money is so much more than just buying expensive stuff. And you wouldn't realize that by looking at the IML people, but I've realized that when I told the barber I'm gonna pay him this money, he started texting me. Before I was texting him. Now he's on my head like, when we're when we gonna make this exchange, let's do this. Because he needs money, he probably doesn't have any money. Um, it's, it's freedom, it's security, it's knowing that you can eat whatever you want, you can drink whatever you want, you can go wherever you want, you can stay in whatever hotel you want. Whether you choose to or not, just having that choice is, is liberating in itself. Knowing you could stay at the Ritz, but you chose to stay at the more affordable Marriott. Knowing you can, you, if you wanted to, you could buy a rose. But my thing is, I want it forever. A lot of people, athletes, get a windfall, and they live off of that windfall. I'm taking the windfall, and I'm making it permanent income. Mm-hmm. Um, and the goal is $20,000 a month in cash flow. Um, we'll probably get halfway there before December, but I'm using all my money and I'll, I'll live out of the cash flow. If I do any living, any spending, I'll, I'll do the living and the spending out of this, out of the money that I know is coming back. I don't know if government money is coming back, but I know that the options community money has the ability to come back. And I know that the asset money has the ability to come back. So I'm just, it's a, it's a mental state and I'm actually happy that I'm there. Cause I mean, when you don't have it, you think that it's all about the stuff. And I found that I think people. They get to the stuff because that's the easy part. And they think that like, oh, well, I I don't have the ability to get rich. So I'll just like kind of get the rich people's stuff and look rich. And so they'll put it on credit cards they'll use tax refunds to get it. And that's their accomplishment. They're like, I might not be rich, but I look rich and people think I'm rich. And when you really are rich, you don't really give a care if people think you're rich. It's more so about you and your family than about anything else. You can really make stuff move with that stuff. Like, it's not even, you don't got to ask. You don't got to, like, ask for favors. You're not over here looking for somebody to just do you a salad. It's like, even, even like, with the truck situation, I was literally thinking, I was like, you know what? I'd rather just pay somebody to go get this for me, and I don't got to worry about it. And honestly, I probably could still, but I still kind of want to go to Atlanta. So. Um, it's just amazing what money can make move as opposed to just like getting diamonds and all that other stuff. So you can literally move through life if you just put money in front of you, put your money in between mm-hmm. life and life gets a lot easier. So I realized that's why Jewish people do it. That's why Jewish people, they're so focused on cash because they really see like cash gets stuff done. Um, cash gets lost, passed. Cash gets people fired <laughs> Right. like there's a lot of people out there who are getting shut down and it has nothing to do with like people liking you. It has something to do with the person who had money deciding that they needed to let you go. Like people don't, people don't bow down to Jewish people because they're anything but rich. If they weren't rich, they would be like, I right, get out of here. Poor Jewish person, but they got money and they got bills. And so, like that's the crazy part about money as well is like a lot of folks they got bills and they don't got an abundance of money. And so you tell the barber like, you know what he can do with forty five hundred dollars? He could probably do a whole lot of stuff. And so he's going, he's like, man, I could get blah 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 forty five hundred dollars. And I'm just like, I can make the world move with forty five hundred dollars. To me, the world is more valuable than stuff. But to him, he's like. I could go on a vacation with my wife for $4,500. So, and also that $4,500 to me is, it's rented out at $2,000 a month. So for me, I see $4,500 and I'm looking at 20, $24,000 over the next year. So there's like an exchange there, but you can't even get there. You're, you're over around there having like poor people's struggles. And that's what I realized like poor like life is hard when you don't have any money. Everything is a struggle. Everything is a crime. When you have money, stuff is easy. The world falls at your feet. You put a buck up there. Like I had a situation where I had a ticket and it was like a stupid ass ticket. It was like 120 bucks. And usually I would like wait and then pay it like the last minute. And then if I forgot, you get hit with like a civil assessment fee. Forget it again, you get hit with this, another civil assessment fee. And I was like, if I don't just get this $120 thing out of my face, right. so I don't even got to worry about it. And So, like, other people, they're like, I don't even got no margin. I got a ticket. I didn't plan for this ticket, and now that ticket turns to a $1,000 problem. And now your license is suspended, and now you get caught driving with a suspended license, and now you've got even bigger problems. Small problems turn into big problems, and you don't
1: got big money. Like you said a tweet, money is power because most people don't have it. 100% they don't, and that's why you can make a move. Um, I think jobs
0: know that, and so jobs are like, hey, man, uh, we're going to pay you below your worth because you don't got no other options anyway. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, that's why being frugal, despite people's opinions, you got to get that cash because cash is going to protect you. Um, And if you don't got no cash in America, I don't even know why you're here. So you might as well start working
1: and building. Yeah, somebody else's mercy. And on that whole money is power tip, you also said, y'all are doing it wrong. Get money, get justice. 100%. I feel like we would see more
0: progress if we just created a fund every time there was an issue. And then we just put that money to work as opposed to going out there and putting up signs and walking around like the free stuff. It's going to get you. I mean, again, you're asking for favors. If you really want something solved, put the money up period. Instead of all the asking, all the begging, all the waiting, like put the money up, get your own politicians, get your own laws passed, get whoever you need to get fired, fired. Like that is power. The quote says money is more than the power to buy things. It's power in and of itself. And so, most of the laws and other things that you see passed are passed by special interest groups. You don't see special interest groups getting their way by protesting. They get their way by putting money in the right people's pockets. That's America. Therefore, if we want to participate in getting actual justice, we need to play the game the way it's played in America. It's not the, it's, it shouldn't be like that. And I think a lot of people operate in America based on how things should be as opposed to how things are. And that's why they keep being disappointed over and over and over again. But if we take all this cash and we pull it together, we don't even need LeBron James to do anything. We've already proven that. But even LeBron James of these worlds, like we don't need you to put something on the back of a jersey, man, or on a basketball court. Like it's it's great that you guys are doing it, but like if you really want justice, put your money up. And then even if you put your money up and it doesn't work, at least you could say you tried instead of just doing the same thing we've been seeing happen for 60 years. we still doing the same stuff for 60 years. Ain't nothing changed, Raphael. It just looks like it changed. Nothing's really changed. If we really want to be, like, honest, like, have things changed. Statistically, things have not changed. Dr. Klein Anderson always talks about how, like, in the, I think it's, like, 1860s, it was, like, in the 1860s, like, 99% of black people worked for white people. In 2020, 99 percent of black people work for white people, <laughs> and he's like, "But we did all this protesting. We free. We free, Raphael."
1: And he says says, um, in, "In the 1860s, um, black people had well, like one quarter, one of percent of all the wealth in the United States, and now in, in this day and age, black people have like a quarter of one percent of all the wealth in this country." <laughs> He's like, we have not moved, he likes to say we have not moved one iota. Your... We don't, we don't
0: really think we just be out here doing what feels good. And I feel like that's a problem because there's no strategy behind it. It's like, what, what's the strategy? What are the moves you're looking to employ as opposed to, it's like they always say, like, don't confuse movement with progress or something like that. Don't, don't confuse activity with progress. It's uh, like, might. you might be out there doing all these different things, right? But it's like, what are the benchmarks that you've set? Are you accomplishing those benchmarks? If not, let's reevaluate some things. Um, even still, I think if you want to protest, you still got to put some other stuff behind your protest. It's not just about, like, this is all we do is protest. Um, I think everybody has resources. It's so funny because even the people who said, like, oh, Jay Morrison took all the money, like, people still found money to invest in all these other crowdfunds. They didn't lose all the money. Folks got money. Don't let them lie to you, man. I'll be in the, I'll be out in downtown LA and folks got mad kicks. I'm like, y'all got these nice sneakers, man. And nice cars. Like I, I thought tone talk said we broke. <laughs> We're not getting all this money from because they got money. We got money. You could tell because people be shining. Got to And that's why you got to take the Jewish approach. That's why I always talk about the Jews. It's like the Jews opt to not shine for progress. <laughs> We opt to shine. It's like people will buy what they want and then beg for what they need instead of buying the justice that they want and then just having to go without. Like, yeah, we might not have all the latest and the greatest and the hottest, but we ain't getting shot down. We got healthy communities. Where are your priorities? What do you really want versus what you say you want? Sometimes they aren't aligned.
1: Yeah, it's like you said in a tweet: uh, paying for a law over protesting for a law. And you could do a combination. You could
0: you could do a combination of both. There, it doesn't have to just be like either or, but you can't just be out there doing one. You can't be out there on a bike just pedaling with your right leg. You're gonna fall off. Oh, You're gonna fall off. Both you legs. You'll land on the side of the road. Both legs. Talk dude. about. I'm talking about the bike is
1: broke. Fixed. The, the bike is not broke.
0: Use both legs. on both legs,
1: man. That reminds me of um, this guy, Dan Miller, wrote a book, 48 Days to Work, or whatever. He tells a story about how um, the Israelites were escaping Egypt, and they got to the Red Sea, and they start crying out to God, like, he brought us this way to have us die here by the sea. Like, we got nowhere to go. They're coming for us. And as like, God, look at them, and he's like, why are y'all praying? Like, why are y'all doing all this praying? Like, it's time to pray with y'all legs. Get moving. Like, you part parts to see. It's like, stop. All right, now part to see. Now Stop, start moving. Pray with y'all legs. Like, get to moving. Enough, enough crying out now. you been crying out for centuries. The crazy thing is, it takes you back. It
0: takes you back to the... Uh the uh, Chris Hogan point, he's like, I'm telling y'all what to do. I'm already doing it. We good. Like, I'm not over here mad at them. Y'all are the ones mad. I'm telling you how to exist without blaming other people for your faults. Like, we made it in America. Just trying to help y'all, man. If
1: y'all don't want to take the advice, don't take the advice. It's not. And y'all can stay over there with Tone Talks complaining about how mm-hmm. I don't know what his purpose really is. Does he ever cover with it? Does Tone <laughs> Talks have ever suggest anything besides reparations? <laughs> like, no, seriously. No, do- that's Dr. Dr. Claude- Dr. Claude Addison talks about reparations, 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 but he also says business, business, business. Get your money together first. We got to do for sale. Yeah. He-, he talks about his five-story building. First, get the money so you could. Buy the politicians on the second floor, or rent them, whatever. He always talks about you gotta do for self, gotta open businesses, get the money. The only solution, someone talks ever does and talks about is we need reparations, we need transformative government. That's what him and uh, Yvette Brown had to say. Transformative government, whatever that means. If the government don't change things, then change, things will not change according to them. So I don't know how that's supposed to work. But you know, but I wish I had a technical term for it, but it's like, it's a circular argument,
0: and it basically allows you to, it's like a circular argument where it's like, it's bad. It wouldn't be bad if they change things, but since they won't change things, it's bad. And so it's like, you just, it's, that's everything that he talks about. Like it really, it lets people off the hook. And I feel like no matter how bad your situation is, there's always a way to level up unless somebody has convinced you that there is not a way for you to level up. Um, And it's unfortunate that that's the narrative that gets passed along because then you see people who feel as though they have nothing to lose. And so they just be out there just creating death and destruction and, I think if there is more hope and more, like, I guess, possibilities preached, people will be taking steps in the right direction. But if you sell them on hopelessness, they're not going to do anything to progress. And then they're also going to strike down anything that looks like progression. And you see that with tone talks. Like, he watches videos and he's like, this is why he's wrong and we can't. This is why Kanye being a billionaire ain't really shit. Like, right, but he just did what you said he couldn't do. So why is it not shit? I don't understand. I haven't watched any of his stuff. Tone of talks. Tell tone talks. We want him on the podcast. He honestly, <laughs> he is way smarter than I am on this stuff. He studies it. He knows how we are oppressed. I just, I just know ways that we people can win, and they might not be as technical and educated as his, but they work. The
1: funny thing is though he. Don't talk. He when Jay Z came out with 444 album, and he had the song uh, "Story of O.J." He did a whole video talking to like ripping apart the song "Story of O.J." Saying like this is not real realistic for black people. He said buying a, a, a building for two million is not realistic for black people. I really don't think that was what Jay Z was saying, but I'm like, what are you doing? He never comes up with solutions. Yeah. He he, he I, I can I can't think of anything that he's, he leads like anything that he started to create solutions or get anything done. Like he can yeah. help organize a protest at the Black House, but not at the White House. Don't see a protest at the White House. But anyway, moving on.
0: I just I stopped watching it because it was depressing. It's like, man, like, we really can't do shit. It's really, he will it's convince really you. hard out there. He will convince right? you. Redlining, Jim Crow, man, it's hard out here for the Negro man. Yeah. You just be out there seeing It's kind of like when I first read uh, uh, the autobi- autobiography of Malcolm X. Like, I was really like hating white people. I was like, man, fuck these white people, man.
1: <laughs> white devils. I mean, so you got to really. You could be black and be making half a million a year and live in like a mansion and you watch Tone Talks too much. You'd be like, damn, man, I ain't shit. Yeah. Like, I cannot make it in this world. Like, I thought it was, I thought I was living good, but I must be wrong. He was just having come in. Moving on from that guy, man. Because it's just something wrong. Tone talk Talks, Tone Talks used to come on Tweet Talks. It's only right. <laughs> Then defend himself, right? We all about Now you gotta get Tony the closer on here. Ooh, you wanna go there? No, I really don't.
0: He's another <laughs> ghetto person. Ghetto ghetto people they don't really got no rules, man. They just be like, I don't know. It's like they say, in a fight Whatever they got whatever they gotta to do to kill you.
1: In a fight, the 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 civilized is always at a disadvantage to the savage man. That's a bar. But, like you you said, it's rare that you hear wealthy folks losing their riches in stocks. But very common hearing someone never earn riches because they never bought any. Um, The reason why I posted
0: that is because I feel like a lot of people who get involved in stocks, they're so hell-bent on picking the right thing and not picking the wrong thing, and they don't realize like, these stocks ain't going bankrupt anytime soon, fan. And that's the only thing that can make you lose all your money. And so I feel like there's a misconception that like you can, there's a misconception that people think that like investing is gambling such that they think it's either all or nothing. And it's not all or nothing. And a lot of times you just maintain your principle. Worst case scenario, you just, you just beat inflation. You only got three to 4% darn. But like best case scenario, you're building wealth. You're building riches. And so I feel like it's just a misconception and people need to understand that stocks are more forgiving than they would like to believe. Even if it looks like you're losing money in the moment, you're not really losing money, especially not until you sell. Um, But we always hear those stories about, man, if you would have bought this stock at this time, blah, blah, blah. But they don't see all those declines that happen with Amazon or Apple like people have lost twenty, thirty, forty, fifty percent in these stocks. At one point in time, Tesla went from like a thousand dollar stock to like a five hundred dollar stock. That's a fifty percent loss. And now it's trading at a hundred or fifteen hundred, less to split. And so I feel like people have to, they don't really understand how this stuff works to just be out here giving people these like long-term projections. And that's what stocks are. Stocks are a long-term thing. They're not a in the moment thing when the right time is I think and that's what's kind of interesting is like people legit will um, look at stocks like short term instead of looking at them forever. I feel like that is another thing we have to get over is realizing it's you don't time the market. You don't buy on a certain day and sell on a certain day. It's not about that. It's not time the market. We're not looking for the best entry, the best exit. The best the best entry and exit is forever. Buy it now and wait forever, period. Don't be out there trying to be Mr. Day Trade-aholic. Just be Mr. I'm an investor Holic. So I'm going to buy it now and I'm going to buy some more next month. I'm going to buy some more the next month. I'm going to buy some more the next month. Investing is a habit, and that's how you win. You win when you set it and forget it. You're not looking at the news, the day-to-day, the, this article, because all that news doesn't matter long term. Long-term investors don't care about the jobs report. Long-term investors don't care about the, oh, there's a possibility of a COVID vaccine. So stocks went up, they don't care because they're going to win when a COVID vaccine eventually comes. So all the hype is really just short-lived. It's really just entertainment. You shouldn't be buying into that. You should be buying into, is this going to be a dope company in 10 years or not? So if you're looking at maybe a company like Macy's, it might be extinct in 10 years. That's going to be a company you might want to avoid. if you're looking at a company like Apple, you're looking at a company like Tesla, you're looking at a company like Google, Facebook, Amazon, 10 years, you might be sitting pretty. And so we have to start taking that approach. have to start taking the, like, and I think that's why some of the best investments come when you're looking at it for your children. Because you're not day trading for your children. You are setting it and forgetting it for your children. You're going to buy it in, in 18 years. Disney should hopefully still be around. In 18 years, Pixar and all these other companies that you're probably going to buy for your child are still going to be around. But you're probably not going to put your son's money into a dying company like BlackBerry. Blackberries, <laughs> you people are better invested than they think they are. We know what's hot and what's not hot. Right. I think, and especially us, we create what's hot. Not only do we know what's hot, we create it we know where the trends are going because we already are making the trends popping. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one of the things that is really frustrating is we are better investors than we think, but also we have more control than we think. And a lot of us think we're at the whim of the market. We think that there's this smart person out there that knows way more about us. Almost everybody who just like picks stocks because like you already are kind of investing by your consumption. Mm. So it's like if you gave them money, you obviously think it's a good company. If I just went to Chipotle, I eat Chipotle once a week, twice a week, sometimes more, and it's delicious every time I have it, it's probably a good company. If every time I go home, I turn on Netflix or I turn on YouTube, they're probably good companies. And that's why I always tell people to invest in what they know and understand. Not because they know it and they understand it, but because they probably believe in it as well. And if you believe in it, in a lot of ways, that's the core of investing is, do you believe in this stock? Do you believe in it? Because if you believe in it, when the bad press hits, when the turbulence hits, you're going to stay loyal. But if you're only there for the good times, when the bad press hits and when all that stuff hits, you're going to be out the door. And the same thing is kind of true with relationships. Do you believe in the idea of relationships or are you only there for the good times? A lot of times people are like, ah, man, if it ain't bliss, it ain't for me. I'm a strong independent woman. I don't need a man who can do this, this, and this. And if you ain't doing this, this, and this, I'm out. Like, so basically what you're saying is you're only there for the highs because sometimes stocks are going to take lows and they're going to take dips. Who knows how far that dip's going to go? I know people who are in relationships and COVID kicked them in the butt. And their husband was like dead set on not really looking for the job, but starting a business. And she wasn't really supportive of it. She wasn't really supportive of it. And now she's supportive of it. And now... That business is gonna do well. And so, like in relationships and life and investments, you're gonna have your ups and your downs. The thing is, is when you're at your lowest, that's when you're probably working your hardest. And so that's when you're gonna rise back up. And that's when these stocks are gonna rise back up. So when Tesla gets hit, I guarantee you, Elon Musk is not taking vacations. He's not doing any of that silly stuff. He's figuring out how to get out of that, that slump. And that's another reason why stocks are so powerful, because you have the best and the brightest working for you, it's not a passive thing for them. They literally wake up every day and go to Facebook and like, what can we do next? What's the next? Oh, reels. Cool. Okay. Instagram TV. Cool. Okay. Uh, a website. Cause before Instagram didn't even have a website. Cool. They're doing all these things to make it better for you. Netflix is the same. And so you just got to get in line with these great companies and just rock with it. Don't be out here trying to time it. Don't be out here trying to avoid the dips because we saw recently, like if you would have been out here trying to trade Tesla, you missed an 11% day today. That's amazing to me. Like, yeah, you might've lost the past two, three days, maybe longer, but if you were timing the market, it was really bad. People were, it was bad day after bad day. You would have been like, nah, I'm out of this shit. And then you would have missed it out. So when I used to work at Edward Jones, the phrase is always, it's not timing the market, it's time in the market. You just spend time in your
1: picks and just ride it out. Right. And that's interesting when you're saying uh, you're, really, you're already an investor through your consumption. Maybe me think about, like, most people have brands that they stick to. Like, I only buy this brand toothpaste or this brand laundry detergent. Or whatever, so you already believe in that brand already. You might as well start buying the stock. If not for yourself, at least for your children. Stock buy at less you buy well, you could set up stock buy stocks for your children through any brokerage anyway, but still. But I like that tweet because it's like you always say, and I like this thing that you said before, It's like your grandparents didn't get rich because they bought the wrong stocks. It's because they didn't buy stocks at all. But no. So you say working is the hardest way to make money. I actually stole that from Dr. Boyce Watkins, but it's powerful
0: and it makes so much sense. Um, because working is a is a grind. I think about that sometimes when I compare like working income to my actual like investment income, not just like the real estate and other stuff, but like stock market income for one, like who would have ever thought, like, I, never, I remember when I first put like, like six figures into my account and it would go up like 1% or 2%, I'm like, that's a lot of money. But like 1% or 2% on like five hundred, thousand, maybe even 10,000 isn't much, but the larger, and like on, a, on an average day, like one to 2% isn't really doing much, but that's just what the stock does on the average day. And so when you start looking at that on like large money, you start realizing like. No one of the rich get richer. They're out here making ten thousand dollars a day just off of their stocks. They didn't do anything. Like, of course, or they they have a million dollars set aside in an account that's paying them out ten percent, and they're making hundred thousand dollars just for doing nothing. And so,
1: working for money is just a very inefficient means of making money. And I found that out um,
0: when I stopped actually. So I I talked about this on my Instagram stories and I was talking about how like when I was doing LLCs, I would get a bunch of clients, but then I would like, after I got my clients, I'd have to stop promoting and I'd have to actually file the LLC paperwork. And so it's like, you work and you stop and you work and you stop and you work and you stop. And I used to always think, I was like, what would it be like if I didn't have to stop? And all I did was just promote, 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 promote. And so that's what happened with digital products is you don't have to fulfill the orders. You don't got to ship them. You don't have to, you don't got to respond to the DMs if you don't want to. I don't really like to anymore. <laughs> and so I saw what happens. I saw what happens when I don't have to actually fulfill the work of that task. I only have to bring in the business. And that's what bosses do. Bosses bring in the business and employees fulfill the business. And I really realized like if I'm doing fulfillment, I might as well be an employee I'm doing employee work, I just happen to say I own the business, it's my business. Like, no, you're an employee, you just work for yourself, and that is not an empowering position to be in, because there's only a limit to how much LLCs you can do if you're doing all the work. Like, back in the day, I used to have to respond to all the DMs, send all the payment links, make sure they paid, make sure I got all the information. I don't do that anymore. I say link in bio. And then I hire somebody to do that. And it's so powerful because they can pay however they got to pay. They can pay through credit card. They can pay through PayPal. They can pay through whatever they got to pay with. And it's a more, that's how you get to wealth. You get to wealth by getting out of the weeds. You can't be in the weeds of your business because there's only so much work you can do. And so that's why I had a conversation with my property manager. I was like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore, property manager. You do it. We call you every single time somebody has an issue. You just do it. You will be our property manager. They will call you directly. You send us a report of what was done. um, And the numbers should be fair or you're going to be fired. But that's like boss decisions. Boss decisions aren't, I'm going to do this because they might do it wrong. Boss decisions are, they're going to do this. If they do it wrong, they're fired. If they do it right, they're continuing to be employed. And so people, every time I tell them I'm going to hire somebody to service the vending machines, they're like, what if they rob from you? Then they're fired. (laughs) And I'm going to sue them. I'm gonna call the cops on them, right. but you don't you don't want to be out here doing employee stuff because you don't want to get robbed. Bosses run that risk every day. You got to be willing to take the risk of a boss. Not continue to engage in the weeds of your business. If I step out and I have a route guy, the sky is the limit, Raphael. I'm buying routes everywhere. I'm like, oh, we got routes in San Diego now. We got routes in Orange County. We got routes in LA. I will probably ten x my vending machine route if I step out of doing the work. Because it's not my time, it's not my weekend anymore. It's not in conflict with my actual life. And that's how it happened. And that's what I realized from the Gumroad stuff is I stepped out, I scaled. The same thing should be true with every business that you have. If you are doing the fulfillment, if you're back in the boxes, if you're doing all that, you are bottlenecking your business. You're not going to make as much money as you could if you stepped out of it. All the bags that I have coming, they're being shipped to my mom's house. And somebody that's not me is going to be fulfilling those orders because then all they got to do, because you don't even realize, like, if you got to do all the work, people don't want to work. Raphael, even if it's for yourself, you really don't want to work. So <laughs> if you could push that work onto somebody else. And, and so the reason why I said that is because if you subconsciously don't want to do the work, you're subconsciously not going to bring in the business. And so you're going to not market as hard as you could. Your business isn't going to grow, not just because it's not growing. It's because you just are lazy. There's nothing wrong with being lazy as long as you're lazy in the right spaces, in the right places. And so you could put that energy. I would have way, I'm telling you, if I didn't have to get on in my car and put stuff in my car that I don't want to put stuff in and put stress on my car, I guarantee you I'd have way more than machine drops, way more. At that point in time, it's just like, okay, this is a $20,000 transaction. We got more vending machines. And, oh, yeah, now we're looking at all of our numbers because that's what you're supposed to be doing as an NBA, not out here in the fucking car. It's supposed to be looking at spreadsheets. That's what MBAs do. That's what bosses do. We're not over here lifting boxes. My back hurts, man. I can't be doing that stuff. I get paid for my mind. All right.
1: One last one. Let's talk about focus on what matters. And less on arguing with people oh, on the internet. I'm at peace right now
0: because I deleted my ghost account. So if people who got stuff to say, I don't even see it anymore. I used to investigate. I'm used to like, what are they saying about me? Ah, they're blocked. But now I'm like, they can say whatever they want to, man. Like if, if they say it and I don't see it, it doesn't exist. And so I keep my peace. I keep my positivity. And I'm at a point now where it's like they literally don't even exist to me as people. And they shouldn't exist to me as people. Like just because you're in real estate doesn't mean that I need to know everything that you have going on. So um I stopped arguing with people on Twitter a long time ago, but I still sometimes can get baited into those arguments. But I just learned to kind of sidestep those. But more importantly, it was even something about the criticism because like sometimes you can be tempted to go back and forth with the criticism. But it's like Everything that I want, I have. So me beating you in an argument isn't going to change that. And so I'm going to just focus on me winning life as opposed to winning an argument, especially with people who lie and make things up and take things out of context. I just, I don't need that in my life. And I think that that maybe is a sign of maturity to know that you don't have to win everybody over. But also knowing that typically those people come back. I've seen it all the time. People who like play you, they 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 come back. I have a, I, I see it. It's not too many people that I've had issues with in my life who don't rock who don't like slide in the DMs or put a comment on my Facebook page. Like almost everybody who's and if they didn't, they saw it. And if they didn't see it, I don't care. But that's why you gotta be true to you and you gotta just choose yourself. And not try to pander to the crowd, not try to please everybody, please yourself. Like, that's my focus. I have a focus of pleasing my son. And I feel like I would say this, but having a son really changed that perspective of mine. Because when you don't have somebody that's that important to you, other strangers can fill that void. Their acceptance can fill that void. And now I'm like, there's a conflict because you don't realize this, but when you don't have that, you are in certain ways, selling off pieces of your success for their acceptance. You don't even realize you're doing it. You just are because you're trying to fit in as opposed to being your authentic self. You're trying to fit in and not write people the wrong way and dim your light in little ways. Like even with investing, like in the, before I was like, well, I don't really have a family, so I can give off most of the deal to you guys. Now I got a family, like you are not getting shit. If anybody's benefiting from these resources, this education, this work ethic, and all this stuff that I put together, they got the last name Oglesby. And if they don't, it is what it is. And they can come alongside and they can help. But if they're a detractor, they're getting kicked down the tunnel like Spartan. Episode 64. My name is Charles Oglesby, taking out Raphael.
1: Yeah. And I like to leave you know what? Shout out to the advertisers, InvestorsOfTeam.com, home of the official merch of generational wealth. Go to investastheam.com and get your get your merch, man. Get that shirt. You can't fire me, the boss. Also, our other advertiser, get lace laces. Upgrade your wardrobe and get some nice laces, man, for your kicks. At getlacelaces.com. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow me, Raphael, at workmoneylife. Follow my guy Charles at Toddbillion on Twitter. You can also follow him on Instagram at Todd Billion, also at Todd.Capital for the Todd Capital Company, and also for the nonprofit at Bless a Black Man on Instagram. Follow the podcast on Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. Be sure to pick up our upcoming ebook. Don't Be a Little baby. Start a Little Business at gumroad.com slash tweettalk. Be sure to get all the Todd Capital money-making courses such as the Oxygen Trading course and the new uh, six-figure digital business course at ToddCapital.co and other courses on vending machines and long-distance real estate. Be sure to subscribe to the show at anchor.fm slash tweet talk. I'd like to leave you with one last tweet from Charles where he said, If you want to live a successful life, start listening to the limits that Black people place on Black people. And with that, for episode 64 of Tweet Talk, the Black Wealth Podcast, Raphael and Charles, we are out. Peace.
2: Thanks so much for listening. and We value your time. And that's why we want to give you the best sounding, best produced quality of content we possibly can. And this podcast you've been listening to has been edited and produced by yours truly. I'm Donald The Voice. I'm a 10 year voiceover artist, narrator, and production specialist that wants to see only the best life-giving, equipping, and long-lasting content be produced to help others. So if you have commercial video editing or other production needs, I'd love to talk with you. That's right, visit donaldthevoice.com and hit the contact page to talk about how we can work together to bring your content to life. Okay, so you're not an email person. Well, you can also contact me on Instagram at donaldthevoice or on facebook.com forward slash donald.thevoice. I'm looking forward to talking to you.